For years, Willow Creek has been teaching church leaders a new way to do church. But while it draws big numbers, it now admits its seeker-sensitive approach is not producing solid disciples of Jesus Christ. We'll talk about it today, and we'll discuss the latest in the presidential race, the endorsements, and the issues, live from the SBTC Convention in Arlington, Texas. This is Jerry Johnson Live. Join us as we look at today's news from the Christian worldview for Christ and culture. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. December 7, 1941, a date which will live in infamy. I have a dream. It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. And the people who knock these buildings down will hear all of us soon. We will not tire, we will not falter, and we will not fail. Welcome to Jerry Johnson Live. For the next hour, this is your place for relevant discussion of topics in the news and in our culture from a Christian perspective. Your host is Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College in Dallas. Later in the show, we'll open the toll-free lines for your questions and comments. You may also email us at talk at jerryjohnsonlive.com. Now, here's your host, Dr. Jerry Johnson. We made a mistake. That's what the Willow Creek Community Church leaders are saying now. That is what they have done and trained millions of others to do is not producing solid disciples of Jesus Christ. We're going to talk about that in a few minutes. The Willow Creek Community Church, uh, really at the forefront of uh, church growth in the last 20, 30 years, uh, people have been gravitating to this movement and their style of ministry. They say, though, they've made a mistake. We're live at the Southern Baptist of Texas Convention here in Arlington, Texas. And later on, we're going to hear from Dr. Richard Land, President of the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission of the Southern Baptist Convention. We're going to ask him about Pat Robertson endorsing Rudy Giuliani. What do you make about that? Dr. Land coming up in 15 minutes to talk about that. And then later, Dr. Tom Rayner, President of Lifeway Christian Resources. He'll be specifically talking about high expectations of church members Contra the Willow Creek model of low expectations. Dr. Tom Rayner coming up at the half hour. But right now with me, we have two Criswell College men. Well, actually, they're not at Criswell College anymore, but we like to claim them. We've got Dr. David Allen. He is dean of the School of Theology at Southwestern Seminary in Fort Worth, Texas. He uh, also runs the expository preaching program over at the seminary, holds the George Truitt chair there. And we've also got Dr. Barrett Duke, who is Vice President of the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission. Welcome, Dr. Allen. Welcome, Dr. Duke. Glad to be here. Delighted to be here. All right. You are Criswell College men, and you have earned PhDs. Uh, You've been involved in local church ministry. Both of you have pastored. Now you're in denominational service, training pastors, equipping pastors. I really want to go to this Willow Creek story because I think it's fascinating because it intersects with what we do at Criswell College. It intersects with what we're doing at Southern Baptist of Texas Convention. You know, for years people have been saying, well, look, the traditional denomination 
uh, is out. Even the conservative model that you see with Southern Baptist churches or Southern Baptist of Texas churches, and especially schools like Criswell or even Southwestern where you emphasize expository preaching, you emphasize doctrinal teaching. We need to go the Willow Creek way. But Willow Creek saying this week they've done extensive research. We were wrong. We made a mistake. In fact, one of their leaders says, we're going to fundamentally change the way we do church. We're going to take out a clean sheet of paper and rethink all of our old assumptions. Uh, your reaction, Dr. Allen, to this revelation at Willow Creek? Well, I think it's, uh, it's, it's high time, but it, it is surprising that they would do this. It takes a great deal of candor and, frankly, courage on their part to do this, to, ma- to admit that after so many years of a particular approach to Christianity, of doing church, of preaching, that it's not working. And what is that approach? If you just talk briefly about sort of the Willow Creek way, could you do that? Well, it's uh, it's very it's popularized with the phrase seeker-sensitive model or mentality. It's where uh, you put a minimal amount of uh, of expectations on church members. We want everybody to come, and we'll take you where you are. And we we do church in an entertainment form. Uh, corporate worship is is uh, done in a more entertainment form. Lots of drama, form. not as much participation. Lots of from drama, the less participation from the people. Uh, very slick uh, presentations, uh, high energy uh, music, and uh, of course there is in this approach, which is greatly distressing to me through the years, is a a disregard of preaching of traditional or of genuine expository preaching. It's not that's not strong in this model. Uh, Dr. Duke, I'm reading from Bob Burney's Baptist Press report here. He says the report reveals about Willow Creek that most of what they've been doing for these many years. And what they've taught millions of others to do is not producing solid disciples of Jesus Christ. Numbers, yes, but not disciples. Uh, What is your reaction to this? Uh, Well, I'm not surprised. Um, You have to actually give some people some content to get some growth. And uh, they weren't really providing very much content. Uh, They could uh, get a crowd. They could motivate people uh, to think positively about things and to think about uh, their lives, but they weren't then channeling them into uh, some kind of a structure that would actually uh, help them understand how to read the Bible, how to apply the Bible to their own lives. Uh, So we shouldn't be surprised that when you don't give people meat, they don't grow. And at this point, uh, it's pretty obvious they were not giving people uh, any meat. I think there may be some confusion here about the difference between church and parachurch or church and crusade. I mean, I thought they were doing a kind of a mini Billy Graham crusade every week, if, in, in best-case scenario, actually. But to certainly not church. As we look at church in the New Testament, accountability, high expectations, and systematic teaching and preaching of the Word. Now, we're going to have tomorrow night uh, right here in the area at Crossroads Christian Church a town hall And it's called The Battle for Truth, Beware of False Prophets. And uh, we're really going to be talking about all this false teaching that's out there today. And I know a topic that's close to your heart is really the antidote to that, which is expository preaching and even doctrinal teaching. Dr. Allen, you teach preaching at Southwestern Seminary. Would you just talk to us about, you know, the right kind of preaching? It's not drama. It's not felt needs necessarily. What is expository preaching? Why is it important? 
Well, first of all, expository preaching is the verbal proclamation of the gospel and the verbal preaching and teaching of Scripture, which is the Word of God. And secondly, preaching should be text-driven. You should take a text of Scripture. It comes from the Bible. You do not uh, talk about topics and then try to find a text to hang something on. You actually take a, a unit of meaning out of the Scriptures, a paragraph or a larger unit or even a book, and then you expose the meaning of that. You then illustrate it and apply it. And in general terms, uh, that's really what good expository preaching is about. It's a broad-based term. It's an umbrella term that covers quite a number of styles of preaching. And also, it can be and certainly should be done creatively. There's nothing boring about it when it is done well. But expository preaching is taking the text, the meaning of Scripture, the very words of God in the Bible, and communicating them to the people. And that's a far superior approach and methodology than any other form of preaching. That's Dr. David Allen. He is Dean of the School of Theology at Southwestern Seminary in Fort Worth, Texas. With me, I have Dr. Barrett Duke as well, who's Vice President of the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission of the Southern Baptist Convention. We're live at the Southern Baptist of Texas Convention right here in Arlington. Dr. Duke, I'm thinking about another element here in this Willow Creek revelation, and that is... They've not had high expectations of the church members when it comes to social involvement, social engagement, and really standing up for biblical values, the sanctity of human life, uh, marriage between a man and a woman. Some people looked at Hybels as a sort of Bill Clinton enabler. I remember that cycle. Yes. And um, do you think, I mean, your, your agency and ministry is focused on teaching Christians to be salt and light. And uh, what, what do you think we can, we can get from this Willow Creek study or lesson that, uh, you know, that Southern Baptists maybe are getting right or trying to get right? Well, um, when I first started a pastor, I had this idea that I was supposed to be everybody's pastor. You know, you just kind of shepherd all the people, you get them in, and you just kind of care for them. But it wasn't long before I discovered that when you try to be everybody's pastor, you can't stand for anything. You know, you can't take a stand on anything because there are all kinds of ideas out there in your congregation. So then I said, well, this isn't working. I got a bunch of people here, but they can't agree on anything to, to do anything. Um, and I think that was part of their problem at Willow Creek and all these other models is they're just trying to bring people in. And... Uh, because they're not really focusing on the social issues, those issues that oftentimes really uh, divide people, um, that once they're all there, you can't talk about the issues because you have so many different opinions about them, uh, and then you can't even get, engage in that education process because you'll lose a bunch of those folks. Um, and um, so I think that's an important aspect of what we need to be doing. We need to have a ministry that focuses on current issues and how the Bible speaks to those current issues so that as soon as people come in to the congregation, they already know uh, whether or not this is a congregation that uh, holds to uh, beliefs like they hold uh, or they challenged in their own beliefs because they're being exposed to biblical truth. Okay, folks, we're talking about the Willow Creek Community Church, one of the most well-known seeker-driven or seeker-sensitive churches in the United States. I remember when I was a pastor, one of my members brought me a tear from a Sunday uh, magazine that was inside of the newspaper and said, you know, this is what we ought to be doing. And it was the report of this huge church up in Illinois, and it was the Willow Creek model. And it was basically, you know, you're not doing it. 
and we could be doing it. But the revelation this week that this church says, we've made a mistake. And one of the things they've said is we need to start telling people when they cross the line of faith, quote, they have to take responsibility to become self-feeders. And they, they're not equipping their people. And uh, they're entertaining their people, perhaps, and occupying their time. Um, let me ask you this, Dr. Allen. Uh, Dr. Duke was talking about moral and social issues. We've got the sanctity of human life. We've got uh, marriage. Tell me one of the benefits of expository preaching. You know, a lot of preachers are afraid to get up and say, all right, today I'm going to talk about the sanctity of human life against abortion. I'm going to talk about marriages between a man and a woman. And they feel very uncomfortable getting up to announce that topic and to speak it. But it seems to me in the expository preaching model that you teach, going through a book of the Bible, there's two or three different kinds of coverage for the pastor. Would you just explain the advantage of how a pastor can be bold if he takes this approach. Well, when you preach the Scriptures, you're just the delivery boy, and the message comes from God. And so you are throwing the news, as it were, on their doorstep, and it's their responsibility to read it and to heed it. And it takes the onus off of you when you preach in that fashion because you preach through a book of the Bible and you just move paragraph by paragraph through that book. Each sermon stands alone. Uh, Each sermon is done in a creative fashion. It addresses the meaning of the text. It illustrates it. It applies it to contemporary situations. So if you're preaching through Matthew, when you come to those passages where Jesus speaks on divorce, you deal with it. It wasn't your agenda. It was God's agenda agenda. right there in the text. Exactly. If you're preaching through the Psalms or maybe something on Psalm 139, you deal with the sanctity of human life, and it comes directly from the Scripture. It's not, it's not a bully pulpit that you're using by any means. The authority comes from the Word, and you are delivering that Word clearly to the people. Let me tell you how that works. The first church that I was asked to consider preaching at was a little church in New Orleans, Louisiana. They asked me to come out and preach for them one Sunday. I did. They said, you know, we're looking for somebody to preach for us regularly. Would you be interested? I said, well, I don't know. Let me think about it. And so, you know, I said, well, you know, I prayed about it a little while. They said, well, there's, there's one thing we want to tell you. Uh, we're happy for you to preach on anything except the segregation, segregation thing. You know, they said the black people have their church, the white people, we have our church, and we don't want you preaching on that. I said, well, I'm sorry. Uh, I will preach on, on those issues as they come up in the Bible. I said, I preach expositorily. When it comes up, I'm going to preach on it. They didn't ask me to be their pastor. Well, that's uh, the Crystal College man there. That is biblical preaching, biblical teaching. Dr. Duke, Dr. Allen, both graduates of Criswell College, now leaders in the Southern Baptist Convention, Criswell College producing leaders for Christian ministry, faithful to the Word of God. We love you. We're proud of you. Thank you for being with us today. Thank you, Dr. Johnson. All right. When we come back, Dr. Richard Land on Pat Robertson's endorsement of Rudy Giuliani. What do you think of that? And then Tom Rayner on the Willow Creek Revelation and Confession. It's Jerry Johnson Live. November 14th, the Criswell Radio Network's Town Hall Series is back. The Battle for the Truth. Beware the False Prophets. A town hall meeting to focus our gaze back on Christ and the truth of God's Word. What a great opportunity to remind people that what the Bible says is true. Truth. Special guest panelists include Dr. Jack Graham, pastor of Prestonwood Baptist Church in Plano. Dr. Robert Jeffress, pastor of First Baptist Church in Dallas. Barry Cameron, pastor of Crossroads Christian. Church in Grand Prairie with special insight from John MacArthur, host of Grace to You. 
Dr. Tony Evans, pastor of Oak Cliff Bible Fellowship in Dallas, and more. Hosted by Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of the Criswell College in Dallas. Wednesday, November 14th, 7 p.m. And live from Crossroads Christian Church. The truth. Fight for it with us. November 14th, only here on the Criswell Radio Network. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's your host, Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications. Okay, we're back live at the Southern Baptist of Texas Convention in Arlington, Texas. And have you heard this news? Pat Robertson has endorsed Rudy Giuliani for President of the United States. With us to talk about it, Dr. Richard Land. I spoke to him a few moments ago. Dr. Land is President of the Southern Baptist Convention Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission. He has been identified by Time Magazine as one of the 25 leading evangelicals in America. And he's just written a book called The Divided States of America. Dr. Richard Land, again, spoke to us a few moments ago, and I asked Dr. Land this question. Pat Robertson, the founder of the Christian Coalition, started to protect the sanctity of human life, started to defend uh, traditional Christian values such as uh, marriage. Dr. Pat Robertson endorsed this week Rudy Giuliani, who's effectively pro-choice or pro-abortion, pro-homosexual marriage. What does Dr. Land think of that? Here's Dr. Richard Land. Well, first of all, um, it's been my observation over my adult lifetime that in times of flux, establishment figures gravitate toward establishment figures. Pat Robertson's an establishment figure. He has a direct ancestor who was president of the United States. His father was a senator for nearly half a century. He's a graduate of Yale Law School. He's a fabulously wealthy man. And Rudy Giuliani is the establishment candidate of the Republican Party establishment. Um, they see Rudy Giuliani as their ticket to be free of social conservatives. And so um, I'm not surprised. I'm disappointed, but I'm not surprised. And I'm just grateful that it's the Pat Robertson of 2008 and not the Pat Robertson of 1988 because he doesn't have near as much influence. Well, let me just ask you in terms of your counsel for Christians, whether Republicans or Democrats, who are conservative, evangelical, uh, the primary season, isn't that the time for us to go to candidates of conviction? Uh, if someone was going to choose between the lesser of two evils and the general election, well, maybe we could understand that. But isn't this the time for Christians to find a pro-life candidate and support a pro-life candidate? Well, I certainly think so. Um, I think, you know, we, we can't make the perfect the enemy of the good. However, I do think that we might need to be uh, practice some uh, prudential choosing and say, okay, here's a candidate I agree with 100% of the time, here's a candidate I agree with 80% of the time, and here's a candidate I agree with 10% of the time. If I vote for the one I agree with 100% of the time, he's not going to win, and, but he might, that might help the guy who I agree with 10% of the time to win. If I vote for the guy I agree with 80% of the time, he might win, and that would give me a choice between somebody I agree with 80% of the time and somebody I agree with 0% of the time in a general election. So it's not, it's all, it's not always quite as simple as it sometimes seems. But I think that we certainly need to be praying about it, and we need to be looking for a candidate that God would have us to support. 
All right, your assessment of Governor Mike Huckabee. He's received uh, several endorsements in the last week or two uh, from Southern Baptist leaders, former convention presidents. Uh, Dr. Danny Aiken of Southeastern Seminary has mm-hmm. been public in his endorsement. What is your assessment of that candidacy, its strengths, its weaknesses? Well, look, I've known Governor Huckabee since he was pastor of a Baptist church in, in Arkansas when we were both young men. And um, uh, I like Mike. I think Mike would make a fine president. But it's not up to me to convince people of that. It's up to Governor Huckabee to do sure. that. And for whatever reason, he's not raised much money. Uh, he's not been able to build a national campaign. And uh, the strategy that's worked in the past of trying to win in Iowa and New Hampshire and then use it to slingshot into the other primaries won't work in this time because they've moved the primaries up so much that unless you can compete in half the primaries at the same time, um, you have virtually no chance of getting the nomination. So I think that, um, you know, Governor, Huck- Governor Huckabee's got some you know, Herculean challenges ahead of him in trying to, because you don't have enough time after New Hampshire and Iowa to put together a campaign in half the states. Well, you got to do that in order to be competitive because I think we're going to pick our nominee by February 15th. By February 15th, we're going to know who the candidates are from both parties. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. We're talking to Dr. Richard Land, president of the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission of the Southern Baptist Convention. He is also the host of Richard Land Live and for Faith and Family. Dr. Land, um, Fred Thompson uh, has been uh, surging Uh, He just received this week the endorsement of the National Right to Life Committee, huge pro-life endorsement. But uh, I want to ask you about something very specific. Mm -hmm. On marriage and on abortion, uh, Fred Thompson has said lately, look, I'm pro-life and I'm pro-traditional marriage, but I really think uh, the federalism strategy is the strategy when it comes to... uh, legislating mm-hmm. every state for itself. Mm-hmm. Now, that's a different tactic. That's a different strategy. Well, a what different, should pro-lifers a, make of it's it? It's a different philosophy. It's mm-hmm. not a different strategy or tactic. It's a different philosophy. And Senator Thompson and I disagree. Um, I've had some long conversations with him about this. You know, as esoteric as Alexander Hamilton's theory of federalism, I mean, the guy could be a Supreme Court justice. He knows the law. And um, his theory is that uh, these things are best decided by the states. Now, I disagree with him. I think there are some issues, like slavery, mm. uh, like uh, racial uh, justice, that, um, that trump federalism. Um, I think that if um, human bondage was an issue that does it, then the sanctity of human life and the establishment of marriage as God designed it does it. He doesn't agree with that. But I think we do need to understand what he does say. He does say that he supports an amendment to the Constitution that would neuter the judges. It would neuter state judges. It would neuter federal judges. It would neuter the Supreme Court. He would constitutionalize the Defense of Marriage Act so that the only way a particular state could have same-sex marriage would be if the state's legislature, the elected legislature, voted to have it and the governor signed it into law. Of course, under that definition, no state would have it because Massachusetts has it because their Supreme Court force them to have it. And those states could not impose their will on other states. No state could make it uh, law in another state. Uh, Now, I think the advantage of that is is that I think that probably could pass. Unless we have a spiritual awakening, the amendment that I want, which is a marriage protection amendment, isn't going to pass. When it comes to abortion, he believes it should be decided by the state. I disagree with him. 
But there's a reason why he got the pro-life endorsement from the National Right to Life Committee. He had a 100% pro-life voting record in the Senate. He's adamantly opposed to um, abortion. He would use the bully pulpit of the uh, of the presidency. Um, he is certainly believes in strict constructionist original intent jurists, and he has said that he he absolutely believes that Roe v. Wade should be overturned and overturned as rapidly as possible. Even President Bush has said the country's not ready for that. Mm. Thompson said it's past time to do it and to turn it back to the states. Now, if we did that, forty five states would have laws that would restrict abortion severely within a year. Within a year, 45 states would severely restrict abortion. Dr. Lane, you've written this book, The Divided States of America, and I'd like for you just to remind uh, our listeners um, maybe about one of or two of the most important points in the book, what, what uh, you found really interesting as you wrote the book, and something that uh, just might encourage them to go out and buy this book. Well, first of all, this book, um, The Divided States of America, question mark, what liberals and conservatives are missing in the God and country shouting match, is an equal opportunity offender. Um, it, it talks about what I think the conservatives are getting wrong and what the liberals are getting wrong. The conservatives too often assume God's on our side. We can't do that. We need to do our best to be on God's side. The liberals too often assume God doesn't have a side, and God does have a side when it comes to issues like marriage and like abortion. Uh, this book is a resource that any high school and college student could use. Uh, I've got uh, 50 pages of facts and figures and evidence of the role that, that God has played in our history and the fact that our presidents have prayed and our presidents have mentioned God and mentioned Jesus and have appealed to Jesus. Um, I talk about the role that America should play in the, in the world, that, that America is not God's chosen people. That's the Jews. But that, and we don't have a special claim on God, but I do believe God has a special claim on us because I believe he's blessed us in providential ways. And a blessing, by definition, is, is undeserved. And when you have blessings that are undeserved, those, that incurs responsibilities and obligations. And we have an obligation to be the friend of freedom. Um, I was just sharing earlier with the uh, convention here that, you know, one of the things I learned was that on June the 6th, 1944, Franklin Roosevelt led the country to the throne of grace, end quote. I mean, that'd be enough to give Barry Lynn. We'd have For to put, over five minutes, he prayed. We'd have to put Barry Lynn on Prozac. Um, and, and Dwight Eisenhower, when he took the oath of office in January of 1953, he took the oath and then he turned to the to the people that were there for the inaugural address, and he said, before I begin the remarks I consider appropriate for this occasion, I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. And he prayed. How things have changed today. Dr. Land, we're out of time. You've written this book, The Divided States of America. Interesting. Democrat Senator Joe Lieberman endorses this book. Dr. Richard Land, thank you for being with us. Thank you for having me. All right, that's Dr. Richard Land. Now, coming up in this next segment, Willow Creek Community Church says we made a mistake. Getting the numbers, but not disciples. We're live at the Southern Baptist of Texas Convention in Arlington, Texas, and hundreds of church leaders and representatives are here to talk about how we do church today. Well, many people have been saying, uh, let's recreate the crusade atmosphere. Let's entertain these people. Let's not ask much. Don't ask them to sing. Don't ask them to study. Don't ask them to be leaders. Don't ask them to stand up and to be salt and light. A lot of people are following a Willow Creek type of model, but Willow Creek this week saying, wait a minute, not so fast. We're not so satisfied with the results. So coming up, we're going to ask 
Dr. Tom Rayner. He's president of Lifeway Christian Resources. He's written extensively about church growth. We're going to ask him what he thinks about this Willow Creek revelation and really lessons for Southern Baptist pastors and other evangelical church leaders in other denominations. What can we learn from the Willow Creek Confession and Admission? Also, we'll talk about polls that they've done on youth dropping out of church, polls on Calvinism, polls on tongues. We're going to have a lot of fun when we come back with Dr. Tom Rayner. It's Jerry Johnson Live at the Southern Baptist of Texas Convention. We'll be right back. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's your host, Dr. Jerry Johnson, President of Criswell College and Criswell Communications. Welcome back. We're broadcasting live from the Southern Baptist of Texas Convention in Arlington, Texas. Hundreds of church leaders here um, from all across Texas and really all across the United States. Uh, Many leaders coming in for this conference. And right now we're talking about a shocking confession from Willow Creek Community Church. I'm looking at a Baptist Press article by Bob Burney, and uh, he's basically saying this, that uh, the Willow Creek leadership is saying, we made a mistake. Well, what's the Willow Creek model, first of all? And what are they saying they made a mistake about? This is very important. We're going to talk right now with a man who ought to know. I think he does know. This is Dr. Tom Rayner. He holds the Ph.D. from Southern Seminary in Louisville, Kentucky. But he is the president of Lifeway Christian Resources, one of the um, best-known authors on the subject of church growth. He's done extensive research on why churches grow, why they don't grow, and how churches uh, ought to grow. Dr. Rayner, welcome to the program. Thank you, Dr. Johnson. Glad to be here. Dr. Rayner, you've written a lot of books about church growth. You've been at this for over 20 years, I think. In fact, I noticed one of your titles is High Expectations, which is sort of the anti-message that a lot of people have taken from the Willow Creek model. I'm not sure we always get those models right. They're caricatures many times. But uh, Willow Creek, kind of known for for not maybe having the high expectations. Uh, I want to ask you, first of all, to, as best as you can, describe the Willow Creek model and then your take on this... uh, confession, admission this week, and really, you know, what should we take from that? Uh, Dr. Johnson, the Willow Creek model, as I understand it, really has two facets to it. One is a seeker-sensitive model in which they're very sensitive to the fact that there may be lost people there. The other is a seeker-targeted model where the entire worship service of that event is targeted toward uh, lost people. And in doing these two types of services, they often come to a point where they will do everything they can to make them at ease, relaxed, and have a low commitment level at that point. Uh, that, that would be at least an initial summary to it. And uh, many churches uh, several years ago began adopting a Willow Creek model. And you would hear the pastor in the pulpit say, we don't want you to give anything. We don't want you to do anything. We don't want to expect anything of you. And quite frankly, and I'm not going to put the blame just on one church, but quite frankly, that sentiment has now fulfilled itself in the fact that these people are not committed, they're not doing anything, and there are no expectations of them even to this day. 
Now, you've done research on uh, these themes, and I'd like for you just to talk about what you found in your research, particularly for the book High Expectations. I was a contrarian to the Willow Creek model several uh, several uh, years ago, not in the sense that I did not want to be sensitive to unbelievers who might be in a worship service to be able to connect with them, but in the fact that expectations were very low in many churches today. We did a research of several hundred churches across America. We started off with Southern Baptists, and then we continued on with non-Southern Baptists. And here's basically what we found. The churches that were expecting more, even on the front end, even before someone became a believer in Jesus Christ, and then ultimately when they became a follower of Christ and became a part of the church, those churches were actually seeing greater fruit of discipleship in terms of retention of members and in terms of the overall maturation of those believers. And so we came up with a contrarian statement that says, if you expect more, you're going to get more. If you dumb down church, if you dumb down what it means to be a part of God's church, then eventually you're going to get a lot of uncommitted people and essentially your back door is going to be wide open. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. We're talking to Dr. Tom Rayner. He's president of Lifeway Christian Resources uh, associated with the Southern Baptist Convention. Uh, Dr. Rayner, years ago we served on a leadership team together. I remember we read the book Good to Great together and talked about that. And you kind of took uh, that approach in studying churches. I think the theme that you came up with was breakout churches. I think I'm right. Is that correct? That's correct. I wanted Good to Great, but it was copyrighted, so they wouldn't <laughs> let me have it. I wanted to ride that, that way for a little while. Would you describe, because, you know, the average pastor in a Southern Baptist church or maybe a Bible church out there, an evangelical free church, but conservative Christian churches, they have what they have. They're already in a setting, and they'd say, well, you know, we've got a fairly good church or maybe a mediocre church, but how can we take this thing to great? We know there's a divine, a supernatural element to that, a mystical element to that. You can't manufacture revival. But you studied a, a lot of churches that were able to turn around and make it happen. Could you talk about the results of that research and what you found? Dr. Johnson, we actually studied thousands upon thousands of churches, and here's the sad result. We only found 13 breakout churches across America. And as we looked at 13 breakout churches, these were churches that had had uh, sustained decline for a period of time only to see it turn around without a demographic shift in their community. And so when it's all said and done, we have about 50,000 churches in our pool of research only 13 met the criteria of being a breakout church. Now, when it's all said and done, you say, what's going on there? Well, I acknowledge right away what you say. We, church growth cannot just be methodologies. Church growth cannot be some type of man-made invention. But God was using some certain elements in these 13 churches, and it comes back to what is so self-evident. And whether you hear John Maxwell talk about it or some other leadership guru, it's still there. The, the bar is drawn according to leadership. Mm. And we saw that in these churches, it was not first a turnaround of the church. It was a turnaround of the senior pastor. Mm. And there were typically two things that happened in the life of a senior pastor. Number one, they became more committed to teaching the full doctrine of the church. They, they, they likely moved into an expository mode of preaching. Uh, they became convinced that they were not doing teaching like it should be, the whole counsel of God. So that was number one. Number two, 
they became more personally evangelistic. And when they became personally evangelistic, they turned around themselves and the church tended to follow. We were expecting, or at least let's say the readers were expecting, that, uh, oh, we're going to find out some hot button that can be pushed, some new methodology. It was pretty simple. Pretty basic. It was a return to doctrine, a return to expositional preaching, and a return to the priority of evangelism. Well, I think that uh, fits nicely with what we've been talking about with the Willow Creek Revelation this week. Uh, you have been at the forefront of really doing research, polling, uh, data research for Southern Baptists through the years. You've polled on Calvinism and on tongue speaking. But I want to talk more practically, first of all, about uh, you just recently released some research on young people. Mm-hmm. Young people staying in the church, leaving the church. What did you find? Why should we be concerned? Well, in rough numbers, if you look at churchgoers who have been in church most of their lives, if not all of their lives, we're going to lose about three-fourths of them, meaning they're going to drop out of church between the ages of 16 and 22, and the great preponderance of those between the ages of 16 and 19. And so we're looking at this vast exodus of people. It's not only when they go to college, but it's just when they turn into that 16- to 17-year-old age, they start leaving the church. I think most of our listeners would say, yep, I see that in my local church. So here are the two questions. Why are they leaving? That's the first question. What did you find? Number one, they were leaving because they were not taught they were, they were leaving because they had not assimilated the Word of God. They were leaving because Christianity to them was a part of a family affair. It was, they, they had inherited Christianity. They had not uh, taken the, the faith once delivered to the saints for themselves. They had not adopted it for themselves. So that was number one. Number two, they had not become involved truly in the church. At the very most, they had become spectators in the church and they had not become involved in the church. We have found that if if those two factors are met, the likelihood of them staying more than triples from what it has been. Wow. I'm reading from the Holman Christian Standard Bible. That is the HCSB, better known as Hardcore Southern Baptist. (laughs) This is a Bible that you've published, Lifeway Christian Resources. Now I want to read Matthew 28. All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. This is Jesus. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We are at a Baptist convention. Teaching them to observe everything I've Mm. commanded you. Remember, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Do you think that we have left out from Willow Creek, fast-forwarding to this youth statistic, Do you think the church is leaving out part of the Great Commission? Oh, absolutely. I think most churches are leaving out one or the other, if not both. First of all is the command to make, which is an evangelistic command. We're assuming that they're non-disciples that are going to be made into disciples. So first of all, many churches are not evangelistic. Tonight at uh, SBTC, I'm going to be talking about that in my message. Secondly, there are some evangelistic churches that are not disciple-making churches. And so they look at the aspect of getting converts but not making disciples. I believe that there are some churches that leave out evangelism. I don't believe it. We know it. I know that there are some churches that leave out the full discipleship-making process, and there are some that do neither. Dr. Tom Rayner is president of Lifeway Christian Resources, the Southern Baptist Convention, 
expert really in church growth, in evangelism, has written numerous books, publications. Again, they've put out this great new Bible, the HCSB Holman Christian Standard Bible. I recommend it. It's a great text. Thank you. And uh, this is the largest publisher of Christian material in America that's conservative, that's evangelical. We appreciate your work. Thank you, Jerry. And thank God for you. And you're speaking tonight. I encourage people to get in the car and come out. You don't have to have a ticket to hear this man speak about church growth, about evangelism. When we come back, we're going to report on evangelism right here in Arlington this week, the crossover efforts Southern Baptist of Texas Convention. I'll also give you some election updates, who's up, who's down in the polls, who's endorsing whom. It's Jerry Johnson Live right here at the SBTC. November 14th, the Criswell Radio Network's Town Hall Series is back. The Battle for the Truth, Beware the False Prophets, a town hall meeting to focus our gaze back on Christ and the truth of God's Word. What a great opportunity to remind people that what the Bible says is true. Truth. Special guest panelists include Dr. Jack Graham, pastor of Prestonwood Baptist Church in Plano, Dr. Robert Jeffress, pastor of First Baptist Church in Dallas, Barry Cameron, pastor of Crossroads Christian Church in Grand Prairie with special insight from John MacArthur, host of Grace to You, Dr. Tony Evans, pastor of Oak Cliff Bible Fellowship in Dallas, and more. Hosted by Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of the Criswell College in Dallas, Wednesday, November 14th, 7 p.m., and live from Crossroads Christian Church. The truth. Fight for it with us. November 14th, only here on the Criswell Radio Network. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's your host, Dr. Jerry Johnson, President of Criswell College and Criswell Communications. Acts 1-8, Jesus said, You shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the earth. And we are here at the Southern Baptist of Texas Convention, broadcasting live from the Arlington Convention Center. And uh, Southern Baptist, like... um, Christians ought to be, are concerned about fulfilling the Great Commission. We read from Matthew 28 earlier where Jesus said, Go to all the nations. And uh, this will encourage you. Hearing a report of what just Southern Baptists have done this weekend here in Arlington, with me is Jack Harris. He's Senior Associate for Evangelism for the Southern Baptist of Texas Convention. Jack, welcome to the program. Let me ask you this. Uh, You do something called crossover. Crossover. And that is um, an effort a lot of people, a term a lot of people might not be familiar with, crossover. Uh, They think of a convention and they think, man, that's just maybe a bunch of business meetings and so forth. Tell us what crossover is and how it really changes the dynamic of the meeting. Back in the 1980s, uh, one of the uh, Southern Baptist leaders decided to start an evangelistic effort just prior to the annual meeting, and he called it crossover. It's just that simple. And so right before the annual meeting each year, we have an evangelistic effort. Uh, Last year in Austin, we had a 5K race. We had uh, week-long revivals at five different locations with Bobby Welch as the preacher 
and then we did door-to-door visitation on Saturday. And what have you done here in Arlington this weekend? This year on Friday and Saturday evenings, we had an opportunity to have Team Impact, which is a feats of strength group. Right. And uh, they came to Lamar Baptist Church on Friday night and Saturday night. And in those two one-hour sessions, we had 169 people saved. That is tremendous. Praise God. Then on Saturday morning at 11 o'clock, we did door-to-door visitation. We had four geographic locations that we started at, four different churches. And we divided up all the volunteers. We had many from Crystal College, which we... Yes, I think 15 or 20 folks came out from Crystal College. We really appreciated that. And we went out from 11 o'clock until 1 from those four locations. And we had 17 people who were saved during that two-hour effort. Now, wait right there, because a lot of people will say today, well, you know, people are closed. You can't go door-to-door. You can't do cold-call evangelism. And you're saying... On one day, you had how many folks pray to receive Christ? 17 in two hours. Wow, just knocking doors, getting to know people, and seeing there's an open door here to talk about Jesus Christ. That's right. The pastors uh, from those four churches we sat, and they put together a survey card. And so one of the things they did as the survey, they invited them to come to that night's Team Impact event at Lamar Baptist Church. So that was the introduction. And then they asked them some questions about their own family. Do you have any prayer concerns or anything in your uh, family's life that we can pray for? And then they began to ask them spiritual questions and hopefully to get into the opportunity to share the gospel of Christ. And through that effort, we had 17 people come to pray to receive Christ. I'm talking with Jack Harris. He's Senior Associate for Evangelism for the Southern Baptist of Texas Convention. We're here live at the Arlington Convention Center at the Southern Baptist of Texas Convention. Jack, final question. There are all sorts of innovative tools out there today for evangelism. I know you all use tracks. You use Team Impact this weekend. But I'm holding something in my hand that says freegiftforlife.com. And I want you to tell our listeners you know, about this website, it's a unique tool out there today. Talk to us about this website. One of the things that I have believed for a long time is we want to get the gospel to where people are. And one of the places where people are is on the Internet. And so uh, I came up with this Internet address called freegiftforlife.com. We also have .org, .net, and .us. But if they will go to freegiftforlife.com, they will come to that website. At that website, in the upper left-hand corner, there's an icon that says, Watch the Movie. This card, as you see, doesn't say anything about church, doesn't say anything about God or Jesus. But when they go to that website, well, won't they want to watch that movie? When they go to that movie icon, they will see a three-minute and ten-second flash presentation of the gospel using Romans 6.23. It will explain to them man's condition of separation from God by their sin and God's offer to them of a free gift of eternal life and how they can receive that gift. For Christians, they can go to an icon there on the level that says uh, share your gift. And they can click on that and they can put their personal testimony of faith in Christ on that website They can put a short name, and it explains all that on the website. And they can uh, click in that my, uh, the freegiftforlife.com slash me slash, and then the short name that they choose. Then they can get these cards and give those out. Where do they get the cards? They can order those online from us. It's right there. It's very easy. 
Jack Harris, Senior Associate for Evangelism, Southern Baptist of Texas Convention. I encourage you to go to this website, freegiftforlife.com, a great tool for reaching others for Jesus Christ. And I want to say if you're listening today and you say, well, that sounds interesting, but I, you know, I'm not even a Christian. I don't know if my sins are forgiven. I don't know if I died, I'd go to heaven. Don't even know if I have a relationship with God. Well, that's really what the cross is all about. When Jesus Christ died on that cross, it was for you. He took your sin. He took your judgment. He took hell. He took the the separation from God that we deserve for our sin. The Bible says our sins were nailed to his body on the tree. He was a substitute for you and for me. He died on that cross. He was buried And three days later, he rose from the dead. You can have forgiveness of sin. You can have cleansing. You can have a new start. And you can have a changed life. He rose from the dead. He's not dead. He's alive. He's a risen Lord. He sends his Holy Spirit. If you come to Jesus Christ, he will send the Holy Spirit into your life. And he will change you. He'll give you power to have a new kind of a life. It's a new way of living. You need to come to Jesus. You need to believe in Jesus. You need to receive Jesus Christ. And you do need to repent. It simply means that you admit that you've sinned. Are you sorry for your sin? It means that you communicate that to God. I've sinned and I'm sorry for my sin. You want God to change your life. You can't change by yourself. You probably tried that with a New Year's resolution, turning over a new leaf, something like that. You cannot change but God can change you. That's repentance. And then you believe. You turn to Christ. You look to Jesus. That's called faith. Faith. Believing. How do you express that? Well, you simply pray to God. The Bible says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so in your spirit, in your heart, you just look to God and you ask God to save you. You look to Jesus. You ask Him to be your Savior to be your Lord, to change your life. That's the gospel. Christ died for our sins. He was buried. Three days later, He rose from the dead. He was seen by hundreds. That's the message of the Southern Baptist of Texas. That's the message of the New Testament of Christianity. This is Jerry Johnson Live, Town Hall, tomorrow night. You've been listening to Jerry Johnson Live, a Christian worldview radio show. Join Dr. Jerry Johnson, President of Criswell College and Criswell Communications, Monday through Friday at 5 p.m. for an hour of relevant discussion of news and culture from a Christian perspective.